The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Bambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought to here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do by now after so many years. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You'll receive your password immediately, which will give you access to everything we have to offer. And if you haven't listened to Sanitas Radio, well, do yourself a favor and take a look. Go to SanitasRadio.com and listen to the latest one. It's your life. Take control. Why are mysticism and individualism, two words that seem to be demonized in modern-day society, when they were actually venerated in ancient times. They are keys to freedom from the empire. In nature, there is no equality. Yet, nature survives in harmony without it. These are all tools of the empire to keep you subjugated and under collectivization. These are not new concepts. We know what happened in the past. And if we have the knowledge, why are we taking the same path if the destination will be the same? To discuss this and offer solutions, Neil Kramer is back right now on Veritas. And for a new dose of lucidity, empowerment, and authenticity, directly from Oregon, USA, I would like to welcome a writer, philosopher, teacher, author, and good friend of this radio program, Mr. Neil Kramer. Hello, Neil. Welcome back to Veritas. Hey, Mel, it's wonderful to be with you. It's always, always a pleasure. I was just uh, discussing with you offline how you, I didn't know you, I don't know if I can say this uh, publicly, that you were right off the coast of Oregon, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Yes, we, uh, my wife and I enjoyed very much living in downtown Portland. We had a nice apartment there and it was a lot of fun, but we visited the coast so often that we said, you know, hey, what the hell, why don't we uh, move there? So about 18 months ago, we uh, moved to a house on the coast, so I'm right on the edge of the Pacific. So as, as I've joked about with various people, if there's any big tsunamis or massive earth changes, I'll be the first to hear about it. Do you feel different being close to the coast, you know, physically, mentally? <laughs> I do, I do. I could I could talk just about that to you for two hours. I do, and I feel better and renewed and more natural, you know? So if if I get ill, it heals quicker. If I'm trying to think of something, I seem to have a little bit more clarity. 
if I'm gathering with friends or family, we have a you know an extra special nice time here. So, it, you know, one wonders if it's just your imagination or sentimentality. But I think because of my interest in mystical and spiritual things, which of course we'll talk about, I appreciate that having a relationship with the natural environment is what that's all about. So being close to nature, not just a park or, you know, a strip of grass, but, but wilderness, forest, arboreal forest and rainforest and beach and ocean um, helps a human being be more whole and more fulfilled, for sure. I ask you this because, you know, like you, I love to be close to the water. I'm, I'm not as close to the ocean as you are, but um, I have to be close to the ocean every so often, and I do feel renewed. And I was looking into why is it that when I come back to the city, I don't feel the same. And I found, you probably know what earthing is. I do, yeah. I found earthing, spoke with Clint Ober for a couple of hours a few days ago. Oh, great. I get some of his mats, which, by the way, I have right here in my studio under my feet. I'm hardly walking with the shoes on. And since 1960, ever since plastics and rubber soles came along, disease has just skyrocketed. So it's so important for folks, if you're listening, mm -hmm. if you're not close to... to the ocean or to the forest, it's good if you could go to back to your, your backyard and every so often take your shoes off, dig it onto the ground, spend five, five, 10, 15 minutes, and believe me when I tell you, you'll feel so much better. I had knee pains, back pain after I started earthing 24 hours. The pain is gone, Neil. It is, and it's, it's simply that we have a circuit that is connected from our body to the ground and the ground is continually equalizing and neutralizing and purifying. And if you separate out from that, you're isolated, you're detached, you know, good luck. But normally when we touch the ground, there is this circuit of energy of, you know, um, all kinds of, uh, subtle particles that are measurable as well. And, uh, my, a friend of mine, Nate, who I did a conference with last October, he spoke about this, in his, his conference talk, and he said, yeah, it's a real thing. Science is acknowledging there is a flow of electrons or whatever. Nate from you said he? Yeah, that's oh, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he, he was talking about it um, and explaining why that is. And he says, he, he says, I know what it sounds like. It sounds like a bunch of hippies, you know, who take the sandals off and go, <laughs> right. hey, man, I'm all, we're all one. They're, okay, fine if you think that, but try it. Because as you said, another colleague of mine, Spencer Barkley, who was at the event and who also spoke, he had, a, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me saying, he's had problems with his back for a while. And when he started to do that, he had immediate relief. And another friend of mine, Ben, put another Portlander, he also had problems. And when he earthed, they went away. So, you know, give it a try. Absolutely. And did I just see a, a picture on Facebook that Nate and, and I think Jen, did they get married? They did. They are married. <laughs> well, congratulations to both of you. Love you congratulations. guys. They, they have moved off and um, left ESETI now and parted company with those guys. So they're off doing their own thing in another mode of life now. So they, they've moved on, but I stay very close to them. They're good friends of mine, good people. So, uh, you know, good luck to ESETI and Good luck to Nate and Jana separately too. Of course. Love you guys. Uh, all the best. Uh, wow. That, that's that's mm -hmm. great. Well, anyways, I saw a trailer of a movie lately and it happened to have you on it mm. and it looks great. Can you tell us a little bit more about that movie that's coming up out soon? Yes. It's the movie you're talking about. It's called Transmutation, which is uh, 
a collaboration between myself and a very talented uh, young man called Niles Heckman, who has worked in Hollywood for the last 15 years on things like Avatar and Matrix Reloaded and Transformers and all kinds of major blockbuster titles. And he decided to get out of that because he wanted to concentrate on more conscious material. And so he and I met each other and he decided that he would do his first independent feature on essentially, what, as we're calling it, um, it's a film about uprooting the experience of normality, which sounds a little bit broad, but it's about spirituality, it's about mysticism, it's about sovereignty, and it's about getting rid of normal, because normal isn't helping us anymore, so we have to do something else. So I, he is directing it, and I have written it, and I'm also featured in it, and Throughout the film, you know, you see me walking around and talking to people and doing stuff. But the main, the main difference between this and other things that we wanted to achieve is that it's not just a film of talking heads talking about how we're going to transform the planet and new consciousness and all that malarkey. It's a piece of art as well. So we've spent as much time making it beautiful and real as we have in seeing interesting things. So it's a standalone piece to say, this is how interesting human life is, but only when you get away from normal, because normal isn't your friend, right? So it's, it's a challenging piece, but as I say, we've treated it as a piece of art, so we want it to be beautiful. So Niles is very much an artist, as much as he's a filmmaker, which suits me brilliantly, because I'm not somebody who thinks it's all about the message. I don't think that. I think it's also about the style and the mode and the conduct and the method. So we've tried to reflect that in the film and make it very approachable, but as I say, also quite challenging. So I think people are going to enjoy it. So you can you can check that out at transmutationmovie.com. Well, that's why I told you when I saw it that, you know, it's almost like poetry when you your words coming out, but you see the scenery, the photography, the it's just absolutely beautiful. So I'm looking forward to seeing Well, the, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. In August, you have something going on in August as well, right? I do, yeah. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell the listeners about that at the end. But yeah, August the 14th, 15th, and 16th is my sort of annual gathering and workshop. At, uh, and this year, it's at the Omega Institute in New York. Um, it's called Knowing the Mystery. So you can find out about that at neilkramer.com. People are buying tickets and it's going to be a fantastic event and there's plenty of time um, to get your ticket if you want to come along to that and have really a weekend of serious engagement of spiritual and metaphysical and mystical and conspiratorial all very healthy very strong very powerful very high caliber of uh, attendee so we have some really wonderful discussions and I think I can say that in all modesty you know we, we really do so anybody who's uh, got the capability or is in that region or can get a nice little plane ticket you are welcome to come along and join me for that sure and you used two important words there mystical and conspiratorial let me just say this about conspiratorial i hardly use this word here anymore because as you know ever since the JFK assassination the word conspiracy has been yeah. you know denigrated undermined I use parapolitical but what about mysticism when we hear the word mm. mysticism people frown upon that term why is that well mysticism is a strange thing to talk about in, in a seemingly very modern world um, to me mysticism is a very wonderful 
and liberating thing. It, it champions individuality. It moves us closer to our spiritual power and gives us the ability to discern truth. You know, so it's a very, it's my favorite things all in one place. Um, and I myself have acquainted myself with mysticism because it works, not because it's interesting or I'm curious. It works better than any other way of thinking and being that I've seen. So in answer to your question, let's look at what exactly it is. In fact, let's start with looking at what it is not, okay? Right. Um, I think to most people walking around in the world, especially in Europe and America and the European and American continents, due to their media saturation, mysticism is considered as something fictional, uh, rather like the word magic, which is normally understood to refer to stage illusionism, isn't it? Like something not real, trickery, like Chris Angel or David Blaine or David Copperfield, or, or maybe Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or something. Not really genuine, just something that's kind of entertainment. And I think that's that's the mainstream view. But even outside the mainstream, in our alternative groups, spiritual groups and 9-11 groups and UFO and parapolitical and all that, it's still not clear what it is. And therefore, you know, not many people appreciate what a crucial role it plays in world affairs, as I, as I understand it. Where I grew up in uh, northern England, mystics were thought of as madmen or conmen, even worse. And perhaps very, very rarely, maybe some sort of foreign spiritual master, you know, with special powers or something. But again, not, not anything that's within the reach of normal people living normal lives, just a bit of sort of distant weirdness. And if, if I were to look up something that I didn't know, you know, like many people, the first thing I'd do is I'd go to the, the online dictionaries, right? I mean, when was the last time anyone used a paper dictionary, right. by the way? But you go and check something online, and the dictionaries will tell you that mysticism is something to do with a belief in an ultimate reality or divinity that can be um, experienced directly by, via some non-ordinary method, which is okay, but it still doesn't tell us very much. It's too general, isn't it? Um, when I think back to my first contact with mysticism, I remember I myself had to do a lot of um, deconditioning, uh, just like we all have to do with uh, ideas of, say, the government is not your friend. Um, there's, there's unsafe food and medicine that's been approved. You know, 9-11, Sandy Hook. It takes time to back out of those perceptions, and many people need years to do it. Um, so for me, myself, I thought that mysticism was nonsense. I thought it was something spooky and witch-like. Um, and I didn't understand what it was because my perceptions had been given to me. They weren't mine. They'd been given to me. When I encountered it, I did so through, like many of your listeners and you yourself, wanting to know what the world is and how it works because I wasn't buying what the textbooks and institutions were saying, certainly not in regular education, but also in philosophy and psychology, it wasn't quite sufficient. Uh, I knew something was wrong. The world didn't feel right. I wasn't accepting it. So I examined mystical history and then later spent time with a group of teachers and students. Um, so I had a both a, you know, a scholarly approach and an experiential approach. You can't know something just from books. You have to, you have to do it. So very simply, it's a long way around it. Very simply, 
mysticism is the study and practice of a, a body of knowledge called the Mysterion, M-Y-S-T-E-R-I-O-N, end of story, that's it. So that leads us to ask, okay, what is the Mysterion? What is this knowledge? The Mysterion, which, which is also variously referred to as the Mysterium, I-U-M, or the Mysticos, and then later it simply became known as the Mystery, but it's all essentially the same thing. It is a body of knowledge and methodology concerned with the nature of creation itself, the world, the origin, form, and mechanisms of this world, and, and Earth, of course, and humanity in particular. So the very physical plane that we stand on, mysticism says, okay, we think we know what this is. It's been handed to us age after age, and it's very closely protected. So it's focused on the earth and humans, but also the sun, the moon, other heavenly bodies out there, other realms of ether and animal and spirit and non-human intelligences. And so the, the men and women who devoted themselves to the study of this knowledge and methodology, this mysterion, were called mystes, M-Y-S-T-E-S, which later became mystics. And knowledge was collected from everywhere to compose this mysterion. And if you want to be normal, it was collected from all around the world, the very wisest men and women, from the most beautiful sort of spiritual principles of growth and harmony and noble conduct, what you would want. If you want to be esoteric about it, the Mysterion was wisdom taken from the old civilizations of Hyperborea, Lemuria, Atlantis, and beyond the South Pole, and other planes of existence in the astral and the 4D and the 5D from entities who have worked with us for good and bad for aeons, right? So there's a normal view and an esoteric view. It's up to you which you want. And there are many groups of different uh, people who study this, and they all call themselves different things. So there's um, hermeticists and Rosicrucians, theosophists, anthroposophists, Christians, Sufis, Templars, Crimson Orders, Druidic Orders, pagan wisdom traditions, many, many different ways, solar groups, isolationists, sky groups, and all sorts of things you've never heard of. Some had, in my view, very close access to the Mysterion, and some... Um, not so much. And some were some groups are friendlier than, than others, you know? So theosophists have been quite a friendly group in the last hundred years, in a way. Um, Templars, not so much. Mm -hmm. um, some are freer than others. So you can be an individual. You can be Mel or you can be Neil, be yourself, have your friends and family do what you want and be part of the group. Others, they want you to just stop all that and just run off with them. So there's different approaches to this this work, this mystical work, but it is a very serious thing. And sometimes I say that and people don't like it, but tough. It is serious because of its devotional aspect. So whilst anyone can do it, study this thing, you need a very sort of special commitment because it takes, you know, decades of study to approach even the basics of the Mysterion. So it's usually just the sheer time involved that discounts most people. It's like being a monk or a nun or something. You just think, well, I, haven't got, I can't do that. You know, I've got friends and family and business and mortgage, you know. So I've got a lot going on. I can't run off into the caves with the funny people with the crimson cloaks on. You know, I can't do that. So the mystic is, is not somebody specially chosen by divine agencies. It's, it's not holy avatars of 
you know, unique magnificence. But just a man like me. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.